0: Of course, everyone knows that the real estate market is on fire right now. You all know that, right? Houses are selling like hot cakes. Here in San Antonio, it's not unusual for a house to go on the market in the morning and be under contract by noon. But what a remarkable change from just a few years ago. Uh, To me, it seems like this has ramped up pretty quickly. Uh, Even back in 2019, when my husband and I moved here from Dallas uh, to serve this church, houses in our Dallas neighborhood were taking 30 days to sell, sometimes longer than that. Um, And so because we were trying to make it here in such a a narrow window of time, you know, we needed to wrap up that appointment, move, unpack, and start here, I was a little nervous about our house selling fast enough in Dallas. And I said uh, to a neighbor, you know, gosh, I hope... Our house will sell quickly." And she said, well, it sounds like it's time for you to bury St. Joseph. And I said, what? Have y'all heard of this? Okay, I'd never heard of this. She said, you get a little plastic statue of St. Joseph, and you bury him in your yard upside down, and then you say a prayer, and he goes to work, getting your house sold. Apparently, some people believe that He passes along your prayer to God. It sort of cuts through the divine red tape, you know, and then your property will sell. There are actually St. Joseph home-selling kits available online. I I mean this. You can Google it. And they contain a little plastic statue of St. Joseph and a tiny little shovel. I guess you're supposed to use that to bury him. And a prayer that you can pray for the sale of your property. Uh, The instructions tell you that if he faces your house, then your home will sell. But if you bury him facing your neighbor's home, your neighbor's home will sell. And one of my Smarty Pants friends pointed out that this could be a very sneaky way to get rid of neighbors you really don't want to live next door to anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry that you're moving. I'll miss you terribly. You and your barking dog. Now, this might all sound rather novel, friends, but it really isn't. It's just another version of an ongoing human attempt to try to get God to act, to do what we want God to do through prayer. Do you remember the, the book, The Prayer of Jabez? That was very, very popular a few years ago. Author of that book was Bruce Wilkinson. And in that book, Wilkinson said that if you pray a prayer found in First Chronicles in the Bible, that God will bless you, God will give you things that you want. What the prayer of Jabez and bearing Saint Joseph have in common is the portrayal of prayer as a sort of passive activity where we tell God what we want God to do and then we sit around and wait for God to do it. Sometimes this is expressed as putting it all in God's hands. Well, friends, this morning I want to suggest to you that perhaps when we pray, God puts some things in our hands that prayer, real prayer, is not a passive activity, but is in fact an invitation from God to join God in His work in the world. The blogger Joe Kaye tells a story that I think would be familiar to a lot of us. Joe said that one evening he was driving home from work. It was about five, starting to get dark, it was winter time, freezing cold, starting to sleep when he pulled up at a stoplight and saw a woman standing on the median. She was not dressed appropriately for the weather. She was shivering. She looked very depressed. Her face and her hands were beet red from the cold, and she was holding a cardboard sign that just said, hungry. And he felt for her. So, he, he reached into his wallet and pulled out a $20 bill and rolled down the window and, and put it out for her to pick up. She came over and, and took the money from him, but then surprised him by grabbing his hand with both of hers and looking at him intently and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. And then he watched as she stepped back up onto the curb and folded her hands and looked to heaven and said, thank you, thank you, God, and then made the sign of the cross. Joe Case said that in that moment, he realized that God had used him to be the answer to that woman's prayers. And that, in fact, real prayer, really praying, means that we agree to assume a role in the answer to prayer, the prayers of others and even of our own. Now I recognize that this flies in the face of what a lot of us have learned about prayer over the years. I mean, many of us are raised from from childhood to appreciate prayer and to practice it. If you're around Christians at all, you know that prayer is the breathing tube of the Christian life. It's a basic spiritual practice for us, but a lot of us learn early that prayer works like this. I lay out my petition to God. And then in faith, I wait to see if God will answer it. And in fact, our text this morning is often read through that lens. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Ask, seek, knock. Pray, pray, pray. And then wait in faith to see if God will answer your prayer. And friends, I, I hope you know that with my whole heart, I believe that God answers our prayers. I know that God answers our prayers. I stake my life on that. That's a foundational part of my spiritual life to pray, and I believe that God answers our prayers, but I also believe that there are many times when God turns right around and asks us to play a role, an active role, in the, answer, in the, in the answers to the, to the prayers that we, that we pray. I mean, friends, did you notice what Jesus said after the command in our text to ask, seek, knock? Did you notice it? He offered us the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I don't think this is a coincidence, friends. I I don't think that just popped into Jesus' mind at that time. I believe he is deliberately laying out prayer and action next to one another. He's showing that they are linked. That real prayer is not a passive activity, it is more than petition. We speak and we listen, we ask, and then we're willing to accept a role in the answer. And friends, I would be so bold as to say to you this morning that if we are praying with no intention whatsoever, of accepting a role in the answer, then maybe we're not really praying. Maybe we're wishing. And there's a very big difference between the two, you know? You know the difference between wishing and praying, right? Think of the way that we celebrate birthdays. We sing the song, and then we blow out the candles on the cake, and we make a wish, right? And that means just sort of, offering up to the universe, you know, the ether, something that we hope for, something that we want, and then we just sit back and see if the Lamborghini shows up in our driveway. There's no conversation in wishing. We don't wait for the universe to answer back when we blow out the candles on our cake. We don't open ourselves to the possibility that we've got to figure out how to get the Lamborghini, we just wait for it to show up. Wishing is a purely passive activity. But prayer is not. Prayer is a holy conversation, a dialogue. We speak and we listen, we ask, and we're also ready to respond. Real prayer involves an openness to God's call on our heart to be part of the answer. You know, one of my very favorite stories about Jesus, and one I find especially fascinating, is in John chapter 5, and I bet you know this story. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's made his way to a very large spring-fed pool. This pool has a series of steps built all around that go down to the water, There are also five covered colonnades there. And on these steps, all around this spring-fed pool are lying people in distress, people who are sick, people who are disabled, the lame, the blind, the paralyzed. They're there day after day after day on those steps because they're hoping that they can get into the water when the springs stir up. Apparently, there are times when the... The springs are more active, and the local people believe that when that happens, if you can get into the water, you just might be healed because that moving water, they believe, has healing properties. Lying there on a step is, is a man who has been disabled for 38 years. 38 years. And he comes there to the spring day after day after day in hopes that when the water stirs up, someone will help him get down into the water so he can be healed. Well, Jesus makes his way to this man, and he asks him the most fascinating question. He says, do you want to get well? Now, isn't that a fascinating question? Do you want to get well? I mean, that's sort of a moot point, isn't it? Clearly, the man wants to get well. He's been disabled for 38 years. Day after day after day, he comes to the step, and he he sits there, and he hopes he can get into the water. Of course he wants to get well, right? Well, does he? Is he willing to embrace what healing will mean? Will he cooperate with that healing? Will he embrace the change that it might bring to his life? Because you see, Jesus isn't going to make the man get well. He's not going to force anybody to do anything. Jesus doesn't violate free will. If we read through the Gospels, we see that Christ prefers to do things with people rather than to them. So he asks, do you want to get well? The disabled man has a role to play, you see, in his own healing and his willingness to embrace change. Friends, this is what makes prayer so dangerous. I mean that. It makes prayer so dangerous. It's not to be trifled with because prayer like that, prayer where we have opened ourselves to the possibility that we must cooperate, we have some role in the answer, well, that's the kind of thing that can change us forever. And it can change our world. It's truly transformative, that kind of thing. So it really is dangerous. When we pray, it's a good thing we do it on our knees. Because, for example, we can be praying for world peace. And God can turn right around and call us to be a peacemaker to be one who bridges the, the divide between people, who will not cooperate with the us and them games that everybody wants to play, that truly reaches out as a peacemaker with a hand of love to a neighbor and defines neighbor broadly. Or we can be praying for healing and God will turn right around and call us to be a healer Someone who puts aside pride to offer forgiveness and heal relationships. Someone who's willing to be vulnerable about our own wounds because in that we often develop empathy, and can offer hope to other people in a very unique way. Or we can be praying that we'll get a really good job And God will call us into a job, all right, a good one, but not one, that will enrich us on the world's terms, but instead will build up treasure in heaven. The possibilities are endless. Remember, friends, we're talking about the divine imagination. The possibilities are endless and dangerous and sacred and amazing. That's what prayer is really like. Alamo Heights, you are a praying church. I've known that since I first came to be with you. I'm so incredibly grateful for that. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we are to pray unceasingly, and I know you do that. And I urge you, church, to continue to live into that identity. I hope you never, ever give it up. Pray together as a people Pray individually, pray with your families, pray with your friends, just keep praying. Ask seek knock. But maybe also open ourselves to God's call in our heart. Be part of the answers to those prayers. I know that many of us are praying for our students, our educators, as they begin a new school year all in the midst of COVID and the complications that brings. As we offer those prayers, I trust that we are open to our role in being a help and an answer. I know that many of us are concerned about the situation in Afghanistan and the terrible suffering we see there, and we're praying about that, but I hope we're also listening to how God might call us to be part of the solution of a help. And as well, I get in a patch of email regularly from folks who are concerned about the division in our world, about the ugliness between people, the breakdown of relationships, the stress, even in the church body. So many of us are praying about that. As we do that, I trust that we are open to God's call on our lives to be part of the solution to those stressors, that we are open to be peacemakers. My friends, prayer is a basic of the Christian life. It's part and parcel of who we are and what we do as Christian people. I hope we will never hesitate to ask, seek, and knock. But I also trust that we will always, always open our hearts to God's call on our lives to be part of the answer. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for the gift of prayer. What an incredible gift to be able to speak to you and to listen to you and to shape our lives accordingly. Lord, help us be so bold as to lay out our petitions and also to accept our role in the answer all to your glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.